Hi, my name is Maisha. And my name is Ara. And you're listening to That's What They Said, where we break down the them versus us narrative. Do you prefer online shopping or are you more of a going into store kind of person? I'm a mix of both, mm-hmm. uh, especially for clothing. Yeah. Because I think when it comes to clothing, a lot of online sites just don't have a variety of sizes. It's not very inclusive. You know, I prefer to see my clothes or even the bags and stuff I buy. I'd rather want to see and feel it. Yeah. I'm a mix of both as well. I love shopping, so honestly, I'll do both. I'll, I, I like doing it all, yeah. <laughs> but along those lines, today we're discussing the digital transformation of the retail industry. You know, right now we're seeing an abundance of brick-and-mortar stores, such as Forever 21 and Toys R Us, shutting down or filing for bankruptcy due to the steady rise of e-commerce. The question here comes down to whether the dis- this disruption in traditional retail industries is preceding a retail apocalypse, or is it the beginning of a retail revolution? So let's dive into that with our resident economist here, Maisha. Thanks, girl. <laughs> Before we jump in, why don't we let our resident engineer, Zara, explain the meaning as to why we call them brick and mortar, because I don't know, so please Yes, don't yes, you know, explain. I am an expert in materials. <laughs> But yeah, so brick and mortar, it refers to the traditional building materials that retail stores back in the day were made from. Just like think of High Street in London, like the stores, brick clad. Yeah, so I think that's where it comes from. And in Mm -hmm. general, the reason that we say brick and mortar is to differentiate between the fact that e-commerce doesn't have like a physical structure, Mm -hmm. whereas a brick and mortar is actually a structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in 2018, online shopping was one of the most... Sorry, in 2018, <laughs> online shopping was one of the most popular online activities worldwide, with global e-retail sales or online sales reaching 3.5 trillion US dollars. That's but a guess lot of what? dollars. But guess what? That's what? just 12.2% of total retail sales. Like, that's not even one fifth. Yeah, and it makes it, like, when we hear e-commerce is rising, it, right? I definitely thought it would be more. Exactly. Same but, yeah, here. Yeah. But when I read this, when I read this, I was like, whoa, okay, so it's not, it's not as bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. yeah. But I think we think of it as being, oh shit, uh, physical stores or brick and mortar essentially going to die. Because you look at like, you know, when you see iconic brands who are unable to survive the rise in e-commerce, for example, Sears in North America. I mean, this mm-hmm. was an iconic brand that survived World War II, <laughs> the Great Recession, but couldn't survive e-commerce essentially, right? Yeah. More recently, we have seen the Forever 21 filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, and then mm-hmm. we think about, of course, how can we forget the big elephant in the room? Amazon, yes, yes, yes. who essentially put almost an end to bookstores, uh, bought Whole Foods uh, not yeah. long ago mm-hmm. in order to enter the grocery uh, business. And essentially, Amazon is the best example of how there's been a... Amazon, and I would also mention Alibaba in China, yeah. these are the best example of how there's been a meteoric rise in e-commerce in the last two decades, especially. Mm-hmm. So what was the traditional retail business model yeah. before these before e-commerce, e-commerce giants, yeah. right? So... Traditional business model in the retail industry consisted of stores opening near the end consumers and in a very like, let's just open stores kind of way, in the sense that brick and mortar stores or physical stores were the means by which businesses were catering to the customer's shopping experience. Yeah. So the, defi- the definition under the traditional retail business model for customer shopping experiences 
was being, uh, or should I say customer shopping experience was being capitalized by businesses by the physical layout of the store, like how you're arranging the mer- merchandise in the store because yeah. what will get the looked at first, exactly, yeah. uh, or offering a wide assortment of products in store and making a certain quality for the brand, also mm-hmm. offering, you know, in-store discounts, high and low pricing strategies. Mm-hmm. So companies used to further also offer free delivery to their customers. Yeah. So essentially you had all these retail stores. Then you also had these companies who would either be completely or partially vertically inter- integrated through mm-hmm. the entire value chain. So in the retail industry, the value chain starts from design, so con- conception of the design, mm-hmm. to sourcing and procurement of the raw materials, yes. to manufacturing of the actual product, so clothing, handbags, mm-hmm. shoes, whatever you say. Um then the inventory management, then actually uh, manage uh, operating your stores. And then there's also the support services like marketing, sales, um, customer support. And if you're doing um, delivery to customers or even delivery to your stores from the manufacturers to the stores, then that's called fulfillment. Yeah. So essentially, it was all based around the actual physical store. Like exactly. From marketing to support exactly. to everything. And in companies are either involved in all steps, mm-hmm. like for example Zara, the clothing giant, mm-hmm. they're involved at each and every step that I mentioned. Uh, but then there are some other companies like Forever Twenty One, H and M, who are involved in some steps, like say design, sourcing, um, sales, the support, marketing, fulfillment. But when it comes to like manufacturing and inventory management, they're probably um, outsourcing that part to third-party contract manufacturers. Yeah. Okay. So. Considering this was what traditional business models were in the retail industry, the question comes to us to what has changed in the industry that has led to the disruption by these big giants or the failure of these legacy retailers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think the main answer here is consumers. (laughs) Consumers, customers, basically us. So, you know, I think everyone knows consumers in this day and age, we are more informed by virtue of availability of information at our fingertips mm-hmm. you know we have higher demands and we have higher expectations and truth be told we want them fast we want these demands met fast instant gratification yeah basically <laughs> so in this clothing industry for example um design from luxury brands weren't accessible right away but right now with celebrities and influencers and even say luxury brands themselves posting designs straight off the runway mm-hmm. consumers want the looks right away because they're being able to look at the designs right away mm-hmm. Straight off the runway. So, so fast fashion brands, they have to provide a more affordable copy of that, of that new hot design right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for Zara, the lead time from design conception to the product hitting the sales floor is only 25 days. 25 days. days. That's like not even a month. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a while to get any project off the floor, but 25 days to just go from conception to hitting the sales floor, as in like to reaching the, actual store for a consumer to pick up and buy 25 days yeah but that accessibility of consumers to the internet has made it easier for new companies to enter the industry and not necessarily be fully vertically integrated through the entire value chain or even at most parts for example asos boohoo fashion nova these are smaller companies or smaller online retail companies they're not involved in every step of the value chain like Zara is, you know? They're maybe involved in only one or a few. So you're essentially saying that, you know, like 
hypothetically speaking, mm-hmm. I could actually, you know, come up with a design and then, or maybe I could even go to, you know, manufacturers yeah. in say China and they do have these products yeah. in different cities and I could, you provide know, set up design, a, yeah, yeah, or provide design or mm-hmm. essentially buy from them wholesale that's true, yeah. and sell it myself on Etsy or eBay, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. So because, and that's possible because I can directly connect to the consumers because they have that eBay or Etsy app on their phone. Yeah, so the digital world basically allows you allows the company to be involved in that one step only, mm-hmm. just reaching out to the. That's pretty companies. great, right? Because I yeah. don't have to manufacture or you yeah. know even do marketing. Yeah, and manufacturing is actually one of the big um, hurdles, I guess, because you have to manufacture and get it to the store. Yeah, but now logistics it's like of yeah, it. logistics get easier. But so these smaller fashion retail, online retail companies such as Fashion Nova, they don't have the expenditures unlike the traditional iconic brands who spend a lot of resources on just leasing their physical stores, you know, Mm -hmm. and by leasing, this includes, say, rent, utilities, Mm -hmm. so many, so many bills, right, that come along with leasing. Yeah. So this forms a significant part of the operating expenses of stores, which are traditionally only physical stores. Yeah. Um, So it's a huge operating expense on their financial statements. So for online retailers like Fashion Nova, they can allocate their resources and the cost savings they get from not having a physical store yeah. to get the fashion out to the customers quick. Because, you know, all the money they have, they put it on just getting the product out. They don't have to worry about, like, leaving certain cash behind so they can pay rent, yeah. utilities. So you this. can focus yeah. on growing your sales yeah. and you don't have to worry about these fixed costs. Exactly. Of. Stores like Forever 21, on the other hand, are usually, or actually they are, Forever 21 is actually the largest tenant or anchor tenants of malls right now, right? Yeah, So they take up huge space and huge rent. And following this traditional retail model, they have opening or they've been opening and expanding new stores just up until 2016, which considering the rise of e-commerce, that's a pretty risky thing to do. Like you're still opening stores. Yeah, it's a risky strategy because you Mm -hmm. don't know whether having all these stores and incurring all these costs will pay off. 600 new stores were being opened that's a wow. that's an aggressive pace to be opening stores when you're already seeing that the decline know, yeah. of or the increase in e-commerce yeah yeah but for the informed customer of today this traditional retail model does not meet their demands mm-hmm. whatsoever for example fashion nova they can get designs to consumers within days and if not within hours of say a Prada or Gucci show or within hours of say a Kardashian Jenner posting a photo <laughs> on Instagram and we all know that's been a different so it's, like, it's like they're just ready yeah they're ready mm-hmm. yeah so considering all these issues that you've highlighted the question becomes how should the retail industry or these legacy retailers or the existing firms in mm-hmm. the industry adapt to the changes in the consumer's behavior so the Clearly, the traditional business model needs to change. Like, I would say that you can't, like Forever 21, you can't keep opening stores aggressively and think that strategy would work without looking at, you know, the data that, you know, a lot of your customers, a lot of the demographic that you're targeting is more inclined towards buying it from online. So it's not very efficient no. if you keep, uh, if you're unwilling to adapt. Yeah. So brick and mortar, more importantly for legacy players, it needs to evolve from, being just a place customers can buy your product mm-hmm. to where they can have experiences. Like you yeah. need to give reason to your customers, to the consumers to come down to the store. Yeah. Because now it's more convenient for them to go to a website in the comfort of their couch or in their bedroom and just buy the product. Mm-hmm. So you need to make it an experience for them to come to the store. Yeah, they, I agree. Yeah. It has to be more than reason. It has to be more mm-hmm. than just buying the product. Yeah. So and they need to incorporate the data from customers 
online shopping uh, uh, patterns. That is, they have to adopt like an omni-channel strategy, which means uh, across multiple channels. Yeah. So new models uh, that would be deployed as a part of this omni-channel strategy, essentially, you know, leveraging your online platforms or the data that you gather from your online platforms and integrating it yep. with your offline platforms, which mm-hmm. are your brick-and-mortar stores. Mm-hmm. So part of that would be things like, you know, brick-to-click, you know, encouraging your customers who are in-store, you know, and giving them an experience that they'll go order it online or click to brick, mm-hmm. order it online, and then uh, pick it up in I store. I love this play on words. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so clearly brick and mortar or physical stores, they're not a lost cause. Mm-hmm, we just need no. to mix things up, you know, integrate. And as Masha said, provide a more engaging experience. Mm-hmm. So let's just take a look at a few examples of current retailers that are providing this engaging experience. Mm-hmm. Number one, Amazon, you know, they're a huge e-commerce platform or online retailer. And they're they're doing they're actually following the clicks to bricks mm-hmm. strategy. You know, they started off as an online retailer, but they're actually opening stores now. So physical stores that Amazon has opened is the Amazon Go stores. They, mm-hmm. They're opening bookstores. They even have these four-star stores where only products that are rated four-star on mm-hmm. Amazon online, they sell in stores. So the reason that they're doing this is because they use the stores to draw traffic to their website. So the mm-hmm. more people that are just walking by the mall, they go into Amazon store, they're more likely to go on the website later and buy products, right? So the fact that the e-commerce giant Amazon is actually opening physical stores. Yeah, it means they're actually, Yeah, so should actually say that, hey, brick and mortar is not dying. It still no. holds value. Yeah. You need to just adapt. Yes, you just yeah. need to adapt. And what Amazon really gets from consumers coming into the store is more data. You mm-hmm. know, they do get data from online purchases, but now they're getting more data from actually mm-hmm. to understand consumer behaviors in stores. And that, mm-hmm. da- that data is obviously valuable because yeah. right now data is what drives everything, right? Yeah. Data on consumer behavior. And then just look at China. China is one of the largest e-commerce industries in the world. Mm-hmm. Just in 2017, they had over a trillion dollars in online sales. And they're equivalent to... Like, and, yeah, like one third of the entire world. Yeah, that's wow. a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, and they're equivalent to Amazon, which is Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Alibaba owns Taobao, which is another, which is just another online e-commerce industry, right? Yeah. And they have a huge catalog of items. You can literally shop for anything and everything on Taobao. Mm-hmm. And Taobao actually opened its first physical store in Singapore just recently. And at the store, they sell exclusive and selective products that you would find on the app or on the website, but these are just like, now these exclusive items are sold in store. It's like, I would walk in, say, to the store, and essentially for a person like me, say, for example, I don't shop on Taobao as much, yeah. but if I were to walk in that store, I'd actually, you know, see what products are available, so I'd be more likely to check it yeah, out. Yeah, so you can actually see the products you're going to buy online. Mm-hmm. So you can't actually buy anything at this Taobao store in Singapore, so what you can do is scan the QR code that's on the, on the items, that's on oh, the product, okay. and then you scan it on the app, and mm-hmm. then you can automatically purchase it online. So that's a good integration, right? Like yeah. You have a physical store, but your purchase is being made online, Yeah. and you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. And on top of that, China, like Alibaba, they have a singles day, which is kind of like their equivalent to Prime, Prime day, day, or even like Cyber Monday, yeah. where they actually collaborate with over 400,000 stores, and if when consumers wash in these stores, they had specific interactive promotions that they could participate oh, wow. in. Yeah. Or like interactive shopping experience they could participate in. And as a result of participating, you're more at, likely yeah. to buy the product. Yeah. And like as a result of participating with at these activities, you're going to get freebies. You're going to get special oh, wow. discounts and promotion offers that you can apply to your online purchases. So yeah. it's like that integration, like they've got it covered. And you know, when I think of just Vancouver itself, like when I walk into Hudson Bay now, I notice that they have 
they have like a bar or restaurant situation going up on oh, the really? men's floor where you can shop or you can stop and get a drink or you can grab a coffee. Nordstrom, same thing. Mm-hmm. Or they have like a certain area where they put different pop-up stores so every like now ex- and then. It's like an experience. Yeah, so like you're going you're gonna to be like, okay, so this week, this per- this store is popping up um, in this space. So I'm going to go check it out. You bring your friends, you bring your family. There's cafes. There's like, sometimes they bring in, they do dry salt therapies, manicures. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, like there's ways to just bring the consumer into the store. Like you were saying, there has to be a reason. For that, the consumer yeah, to come. Yeah, there has to be a reason that consumers still want to come into these stores yeah. and not just shop online. And now yeah. they're providing experiences, you know? Yeah. And that's great. Think about mm-hmm. IKEA as well. Like I love going to IKEA for those meatballs, you know. <laughs> and I'm gonna go for a whole day and just hang Disclosure, out at IKEA. Disclosure: I've never been to IKEA. I have seen the products online. Oh my god, IKEA is the best. <laughs> I've never <laughs> been to IKEA. Yeah, I remember when I first moved to Vancouver. Like all I always just look for an excuse to go to IKEA because I just wanted to have some meatballs. See, I've or, heard you that, know. especially bodice meatballs. Apparently, yeah. they're so great. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty great. <laughs> but yeah, in general, like IKEA is providing. A huge family experience. Mm-hmm. Like, go get ice cream, go get pizza, shop, go into the different display of different bedrooms decorated differently. Imagine yourself, like, this could be my bedroom. This could be my kitchen, right? I like, to go to Ikea. Yeah, Ikea's the best, girl. You <laughs> have to go. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, so that's an easy way of employing the whole uh, integrating. Not easy way, but, like, th- those are just ways to integrate yeah. the physical and the online world together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Uh, now, uh, like, I'll, I'll actually talk about an example of how Zara... Um, not me. <laughs> yeah, not Zara. The engineers are the store. <laughs> Zara, the biggest clothing store in the world, essentially. You yeah. know, Zara, when it recognized that, you know, e-commerce is rising, uh, it realized that it has to update its uh, physical shops to integrate digital technology and close down those shops that were underperforming. You know, it's no point for you to have so many shops in almost, like, say, every four or five blocks when it's not like consumers are going to go to each of those shops because hey if i'm if i'm going to shop four or five blocks away i might not go there Mm -hmm. i might go to a shop that's honestly like third minutes away but i'm in that neighborhood i might just drop it because i saw some product online right and zara has also has really evolved customer experience so it was realizing that it's lagging in online sales compared to asos and boohoo Mm -hmm. and there's just an example in the clothing sector yeah but it's applicable to as you said in taobao and other industries as well right it's all about evolving that experience yeah so zara opened a flagship store in westfield stratford in london in may of last year Mm -hmm. and what they did is they added a dedicated area for a collect for a collection of online orders in keeping with the company's online integration strategy okay. because they realize at the end of the day that we have these physical stores which clearly are an advantage yeah. with Amazon and Taobao they're tapping into it I and mean, Amazon purchased Whole Foods yeah. and it didn't just do that to enter the grocery industry yeah. it also has these pick up lockers yeah oh so, so yeah you can pick up your packages there exactly okay. exactly right so yeah my, my theory is if amazon's doing it they're probably doing it for a reason <laughs> they're doing well in the world so. yeah follow them right yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so zara's this flagship store in london it also features an automated online order collection point um furthermore it is really Zara is really using the data that it collects from customers who are visiting the website, right? So providing customers product of ch- products of choice based on customers' past preferences, based on customer searches when they visited or clicked on the website, right? And that way the customers can you know reap rewards in terms of repeat customers across four different formats. Um, furthermore, and this is the most interesting thing that I honestly was like pretty impressed by mm-hmm. was. This store has a product recommendation system based on information screens 
they're embedded in the mirrors mm-hmm. of your changing rooms. Okay. Yeah. So, so once customers say, for example, scan an item um, mm-hmm. on their phone, right? The system can bring that item up in your size. Yeah. And on the screen, okay. and then it'll. Based on what you chose and your um, the past data, based yeah. on your visits to the website and your purchases from the websites and from purchases in store, yeah. it'll recommend you and coordinate after. So, say for example, oh, wow, that's awesome, right? So, yeah. say for example, it's a skirt that I'm pulling. I would up, love right? that. <laughs> and then the system, based on essentially the data that's collected, it will coordinate and combine the item that you're trying on with other yeah. tops, say tops or a scarf Very or other accessories, right? So. Because you're giving that experience to the customer, that's a pretty great thing. And you're like, using technological advancements. Like, that's a win. Exactly, yeah. right? So, like, I love that. If I went in the store and, you know, you're telling me, you're, like, acting like my personal stylist yeah. based on my preferences, which yeah. you collect based on the data, right? Yeah. And you're integrating the two and you're giving me this. So, there's a purpose for me to actually go to the store. Yeah. I won't be like, hey, I don't want to go to the store because I buy it from online. But I'll be like, hey, I want to go to the store because I can see what I'm seeing online. But I can see it on me, yeah. and I can see how it goes with other outfits, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So they're also so that's a pretty great st- strategy that they've I, adopted. I think so too, yeah. Right, and furthermore, they're also like allowing customers in store to, um, you know, you don't have to wait in long queues. You know, you can pay it through your Zara app, or they're creating, or they actually created a self checkout area mm-hmm. to complement the regular cashier desk. So that'll speed up the payment process and. Yeah. I've been to Zara a couple times. The <laughs> queue for cashier. It's long. <laughs> it's long. It's very long. Right? Mm-hmm. So at, at the end of the day, you know, you can then once you do your self-checkout, you can choose to print out your seats or store them automatically in your phone. Okay. Right? Yeah. At the self-checkout when you're doing it. So that's that's pretty great, you know, considering how as consumers, I think we're also very... Um, environmentally conscious, conscious sustainability right? conscious. Um, Zara is adopting an eco-efficient store program which where they're uh, implementing smart systems in that store in this store for reducing emissions and saving energy mm-hmm. so this store was essentially an example for the world to see that hey we're the biggest clothing store in the world and you know, I see that I'm a reg- legacy retailer, and we've seen big ones like Sears, Toys R Us, Serve Twenty One shut open down, yeah, and shut down. But they did that because they failed to integrate or you know leverage their physical stores yeah. with the data that they collected online mm-hmm. by online purchases. Yeah, and they failed to recognize that at the end of the day, you're doing it all for the consumers. And you need to adapt to how they have changed exactly by integrating yeah. the online and offline platform to say yeah. Right. That is the key, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in some parts of the world, you need physical store for e-commerce giants to establish themselves. E-commerce is huge in North America, in Europe, China. But in order to keep growing, it's important for these e-commerce giants to expand into other markets. It's important for them to expand into other countries where you have less saturated markets and where you will need a physical store to access customers. So let's take India as an example, and similarly Bangladesh. The society there is not as cashless as we are here in North America or even in China. People still use cash to pay for transactions, and the payment system is not reliant on credit and debit cards. And banks are also not as cooperative with e-commerce sites to partner up and provide a method of secure transaction outside of the usual cash, daily cash transactions. And, you know, just from personal experience, every transaction in my household in Bangladesh has been done in cash most of the time. And when we get food deliveries or if we order from Facebook boutiques or something like that, we pay for cash on delivery. So I think that's just kind of the culture there. 
And while we're on the delivery aspect, that's also a challenge in countries like India and Bangladesh. There isn't really an infrastructure to support one-day shipping idea because the logistics of delivery aren't great. There are local methods of delivery which are already established, and the lack of infrastructure also just causes another barrier to create a sophisticated delivery system. And local companies such as Flipkart in India, they've been in the game longer and act as a competition for global e-commerce giants like Amazon or Alibaba. Because it's and you know because there are all these rural areas like villages yeah. and small towns and all mm-hmm. these places which are untapped and because the infrastructure is not great now to undertake that infrastructure cost it doesn't make business sense for no. these companies to do it right but what you do have is you know this and this works in India and Bangladesh is almost everyone has a cell phone yeah and almost everyone is connected to the internet yeah so it's because of this accessibility to internet mm-hmm. by virtue of uh, you know in uh, prioritizing internet connectivity yeah. in these areas where there are cell phones mm-hmm. right it's easy for people in these rural villages or small towns and and by the way this comprises a huge part of the potential market the retail market in Bangladesh and I would even say India yeah. because a lot of these places are just so far flung in the country yeah. um you know with uh, not proper infrastructure not proper roads and everything that is hard to access there how do you do it your cell phone right and everyone has an access to a cell phone yeah. so it's all, it's easy for someone to download say the Amazon app I'm sitting in a small town in say Bangladesh yeah. and um, I can sit down on my phone, download the Amazon app, and order the product. Yeah, that's in simple. But delivery, exactly. Yeah. So how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Well, this is where Amazon needs to think about. Hey, you know what? We it'll incur a lot of cost to actually build a distribution center mm-hmm. in order for me to fulfill the order. Yeah. And get the product to the customer. Yeah. But I want to get that revenue. <laughs> yeah. So what they do have are these mom and pop stores, but. In Bangladeshi language, we call them Mama Der Dokan, <laughs> which actually translates in English to like uncle store. Yeah. Um, Everybody's our uncle. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, these are small stores yeah. that are run either by, you know, either by very small families mm-hmm. or, you know, individuals. And they're almost in like every other corner of the road. Yeah. And it's very prevalent in uh, towns and small villages. And usually these stores also have a small inventory. So what Amazon or Alibaba or even the existing giant, say, in Flipkart in India is doing is actually understanding that, hey, these stores, these physical brick-and-mortar stores mm-hmm. are actually are the middlemen. Yeah. And unlike in countries like Canada, U.S., and China, and in so many others in the world where you're cutting the middleman out, yeah. these stores will actually help us get to the customers and earn that revenue through the middleman exactly yeah and i think that's really smart of them to do because when you go into a country you have to understand their environment and you have to kind of um like adapt that country's way of working so like that that is how we work we have these like small stores where we where you know we always do have a middleman and everything so it's it's kind of good that they're adapting to our culture and it's 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 about that about the fact that it's not a one-size-fits-all model no if you are going to if you've tried your business model it's worked in canada and the u.s and it's not necessarily gonna work in asia or or say india or many other countries right Mm -hmm. where people don't have the same resources or as a company you will have greater resource constraints yeah so you need to be able to adapt your business model and use what is available in the ground there yeah and use the existing um mom and pop-up stores yeah uh there to make sure that you're meeting those deliveries so yeah. then when the customer orders a product the fulfillment fulfillment can actually be done by those stores mm-hmm. so you deliver the product if i'm say amazon i'll deliver the products 
to those mom and pop stores mm-hmm. in those small villages and towns. Yeah. And in their inventory, then the cost it's easy for the customer to walk from their household yeah. to those small stores because these stores are in almost every corner. And they actually have a certain trust with these small exactly. stores that they might not trust a new giant that's entered their Yeah, because to them it'll country. be like yeah. a big company's coming in. Yeah. We don't know them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and but you have this existing relationship with the people in mom and pop stores because there's a sense of community. Yeah. Right. So you can just easily go walk into the store, show your bill probably, or show your receipt. Yeah. And pick up. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's something that Flipkart's doing in India very effectively. Yeah. And that's why Flipkart is so, it's the biggest e-commerce kind of retailer in India. Okay. And Amazon is trying to understand that mm-hmm. because Flipkart is a local company. Yeah. And it has a better understanding of the culture the and community. Culture, yeah. And Amazon doesn't. So it's trying to understand that. Mm-hmm. So clearly, it's not the end for physical or brick-and-mortar stores. Absolutely it's not, not the end in India, in Bangladesh, and it's definitely not the end in North America either. It's just simply the time to adapt, whether you're adapting to the country that you're in or whether you're adapting to the consumer behavior. Mm-hmm. Consumers have changed, and mediocre retail that is unable to adapt will not survive. Oh, you won't. Yeah, Forever 21 could not survive. Toys R Us could not survive. And truth is, we, as humans, learn and sur- survive and adapt. Word of the day is adapt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, humans, we are social beings. You know, we need to interact with each other. We need to touch. We need to feel. So having the ability to do that, to touch and feel your purchases, I think that is something that consumers do want. And while they want that, they also want the convenience to just mm-hmm. shop online, to quickly pick up something, to quickly click mm-hmm. and get something that they want. If companies can have that ability to capitalize on this human mm-hmm. trait and provide that consumer experience that consumers long for... That's going to be a crucial factor for them in the future of their industry, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree that because I'm a person, as I said at the beginning, that, you know, I like a mix of both. Yeah. So I like feeling my product. So it's important for companies to recognize that in consumers. And at the end of the day, as you said, we're still social beings. Yeah. So it's clearly not an apocalypse. <laughs> no. As a lot of other uh, people are meeting, right? Yeah. It's rather an opportunity to innovate, yeah. innovate your business model, you know, use the technology and advancements that we have now. Yeah. And uh, this gives you an opportunity to be creative, essentially. Yeah. So it, it's a time for you to evolve, to adapt. So it's a time for retail revolution. Yeah, renaissance, revolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess that's it for today. Yeah. Thanks um, for listening. See ya.